on the Boss Man Show, a friend of mine, a good back scenes for the mind who helps me out a lot, Julia Brown, a pleasantly PR out of San Diego, a town I love a lot because it's warm and with palm trees. And I, I hate the taxes, but I like the weather. <laughs> so same here, dude. Same, same here. <laughs> yes. The cost of living kind of sucks, but the weather sure makes up for it. <laughs> yes. Julia is a, is a PR firm. She books a lot of great guests for this show, other shows. We'll have her talk about PR and her clients and some other people. So, Julia, how is life treating you? Thank you for being who you are, helping out me so much this year already. <laughs> you are so welcome. It's it's great to be here. I really appreciate you extending the invite for me to be interviewed on your show. And, um, yeah, love it. Yeah, I really like working with you, man. You are a cool dude. You really are. I mean, there's there's some radio hosts that, you know, and producers that I talk to who are, you know, they're they're nice, they're, you know, they're nice people, but you you are a cool dude. I hope to get to meet you in person one day. You will. I, I know when the <laughs> Hawks play the Clippers of Lakers, we gotta make the trip down to San Diego and see you. You come up, well, we'll figure it out. We'll meet halfway yeah. between there. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I would like I would like that a lot. Yeah, we we meet halfway or something. <laughs> Indeed. Well, Julia, let's tell us about this. When did you get into PR? And what inspires you to want to be in this in this business? Because I, I know for me as a radio host, I need you to help get guests and vice versa for get, get your clients on the shows. So what got you in this business and, and what makes you love it so much? Um, really good questions. So I uh, got into PR in uh, 2006 uh, after I graduated from college, um, San Diego State, Aztec. Aztecs! <laughs> life. And uh, so I, you know, I actually applied. I really did want to be, um, I really wanted to work with the media, but I didn't want to be like a journalist or, you know, like a, a broadcast anchor, but I wanted to work in the media somehow. So I worked for a uh, public relations uh, agency uh, in San Diego for nine years um, from 2006 to 2015. And um, the agency did the same type of work that I'm doing now. So we represent nonfiction authors and um, like thought leaders, um, industry experts, and like, you know, C CEOs and things like that. Um, and, the, and, you know, the, the type of media I'm working with are, you know, shows like yours, podcasts, um, radio shows, you know, all across the country. And I try, I try to do it in the top 60 markets. And um, it's just the camaraderie, the rapport, you know, because it's, I'm, I don't just want something from you. I want to build a relationship with you. So every time I call you, I'm not just like, okay, let's get down to business. It's how are you? How's your family? How's your wife, your kids? What's the weather like? You know, how is it, you know, in COVID times for you? So it's really about more building and maintaining really good relationships with people. And then the interviews come second. And so that's also what I really like about it because I, I consider myself a very, uh, a people person, right? Yes. I, I like I like to talk like you do. Um, I also like to get to know people and it's just a really nice balance yes. of working with the media, developing those relationships and really providing a service that all of my clients like. They like 
liked being interviewed on radio, podcasts, and television. They like talking about their book. It makes them feel special and important. And I, that makes me feel really good. And so it really is being a publicist and owning a, a PR company is really just a win-win. It's a win-win. I mean, I love my job. I love what I do. I love my clients. And, I, and I'm pretty sure my clients love me back. So it really is a good win-win. Now, Julia, for people who need PR, at what point do you get PR? Because I know I've been approached about doing PR myself, needing PR. I, I can't do my own releases myself. But at what <laughs> point do you need a PR if you're a, a prospective client or author or an artist or radio host or um, influencer? At what point do you suggest getting PR? Oh, well, if we're talking about books, um, there really is... I mean, there's a, there's a really great time to do PR, but there really isn't a deadline to do PR. Uh, so if you have a book, let's just say your book is coming out in June. Okay, we'll, we'll just say that. So it hasn't been published yet. Your book is coming out in June. Ideally, it's best to start working with a publicist three months before your publication date. Uh, because then someone like me can reach out to what we call long lead media. So people who work for like magazines, um, uh, it's, it's, mainly, it's mainly magazines, sometimes newspaper uh, journalists, so people who plan their stories like three months in advance. Um, so it would, so that would be like the most ideal because then we can also incorporate social media marketing and get the authors or the clients platforms all set up so that once their, um, the publication date, the launch date of their book is ready, like we're all set up, you know, ideally, you know, you want to have a few book reviews already, you know, already written and posted to your website and you want, um, you just want to have like all like everything all set up so that when your book does launch, you know, potential buyers can go to your website, can go to your Facebook, can go to your Instagram and see all your cool stuff and see all your postings and things like that and see that, you know, you're a legitimate author who has like a large following as well. Uh, so that that would be ideal ran a really successful uh, campaign for an author whose book came out eight months prior. So if the if you have like evergreen topics in your book, things oh, yes. evergreen, you know, meaning like things that health, business, leadership topics, um, even like sexuality, if you're talking about the LGBTQ community, things like that, those are evergreen topics that can be discussed any time of year. Uh, so yeah, so we could start before your book launches, when your book launches, even after your book launches. Now, if you're not a book author, like for example, uh, I'll even name drop here, Eric Pierre. Uh, so he's a thought leader. He's a tax strategist um, and an industry expert is what I call him because he owns a, has a CPA firm, owner of a CPA firm. And he decided to do PR because he really wanted to kind of make a name for himself within the industry. So that's another, so if you're, um, if you're kind of maybe just about on the top of your game or you, are, you really want to put yourself out there and be noticed either by people within your industry or you're maybe trying to uh, get new clients, um, that's when you would wanna work with someone like me uh, because I can help bring you that exposure you need through radio interviews, television inter interviews, 
um, maybe um, articles for him, I'll talk specifically about him. Like, you know, he wants to be in like Forbes and Fortune and Fast Company. So, you know, I would be working with um, journalists that write for those uh, type of magazines to say like, hey, check out this guy. He's, you know, up, he's up and coming or he's on yeah. the top of his game. Uh -huh. and this is what he can um, teach your, your readers and, uh, th and things like that. So, I mean, it's a long answer, but it really, it really doesn't matter um, when, when you work with a publicist. Um, yeah, so there really, there really isn't like a deadline. My services are evergreen. <laughs> Same <They> here. Can... <laughs> right? Same here. Hey, Aunt Julie, you're good because remember, I own the show and I just put in commercials when I want to. So it's all good. So <laughs> I don't have hard outs on the boss man show here. Remember that. You can talk as long as you want to. We're good. I don't have hard outs here. I know. I, I'm probably, it's funny because I'm, um, I'm probably, um, oh man, this light is so bad. I'm, um, I'm, I always tell my clients, um, you know, your answer should not, should be no longer than, um, 45 seconds. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, damn it, I just talked for like <laughs> four minutes. I can't even follow my own advice. <laughs> hey, it's all good. It's all good. Trust and believe it's all good. So, you know, Julia, it's funny <laughs> in our services here, me with advertising, I say I can't guarantee you a sale. I can make people aware of your business and what you're doing. So in your field, yeah. how do you tamper down expectations of clients who thinking you can you can make magic and you can't promise them things that you can only make people aware about and you can't promise them results per se. It's more so about awareness and exposure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, that's exactly what it is. I don't make any prom I don't make any promises about like if we're talking about books, I don't make any promises about book sales. The only thing that I can promise is exposure. So the interviews that I book for you will bring you exposure. And what happens with that exposure is out of my hands. So um, for example, let's see, I'm going to use Eric again, because he's my, he's my newer, he's my newer client. So um, in a convert, in an email conversation, he said that, um, working with me is going to produce him high paying clients. And as soon as I read that email, it was like, red flag, buddy. I need to manage your expectations. So I, I made sure in a very professional way, I said, Eric, I, I actually never said that. I never promised that my services would result in higher paying clients for you. So I wanna make sure that we're both on the same page because when our campaign ends, I don't want you coming back at the end and saying, well, this was a crap campaign because I didn't secure any high paying, new high paying clients. And so, you know, it's just, you just have to manage everybody's expectations. And that's just, you know, it's just explaining your services in the beginning in, in a lot of detail. My con I think my contracts, my agreements are very uh, detail oriented doing every single month because a lot of a lot of times I hear when people work with a publicist they're like I don't even know what she does uh yeah all the time from, from clients and guests right her work is so vague like what I don't even know what I'm paying her to do and it's like wait a minute 
that's the that's bad like that's really really bad like you should know exactly what you're getting when you're entering into an agreement with a publicist and I try to be as clear as I possibly can and really manage those expectations so the only thing I promise is exposure I don't promise book sales because again that's out of my hands yes but I do call it the power of PR. So that's what I was telling Eric. So um, my, my goal is to get him to talk about like Biden's new tax plan, tax strategies going into you know tax season on CNBC and Fox Business. And so and I said, the power of PR is, okay, you're gonna go on Varney and Company on Fox Business one morning and you're gonna you know, talk about Biden's tax plan or your, your, your new tax strategies. You don't know who's watching that show. I have no idea who's watching that show. There's like 3 million people who's watching that show, right? So somebody could be watching that show and is going to look you up on your website, is going to, you know, look you up on your socials and is going to contact you. And, you know, there you go. There's your high paying client because you never know with the power of PR. You never know. And that's like, that's the neat little ripple effect that it can cause. And Julie, I could say your clients have, have never bashed you to me saying that you suck. Cause I've had clients tell me privately their PR function sucks. I've been like the counsel for a lot of clients PRs. They telling me about their career. And I'm like, why'd you hire them if they suck? You know, so I could, I could tell you on record, your clients didn't reach out to me after the fact and tell me you suck. So you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank God I've been doing this for 15 years. I hope I don't, you know, I really hope I don't suck. Uh, yeah, you, um, you know, being a publicist, um, it's very, you, you have to enjoy what you do. You really do. I mean, you really do. Like, I think like probably with any industry, but you really have to enjoy what you do or yeah, you're, it's going to come off that you suck. But, and that's another thing with typically you pay a, a publicist, a monthly retainer. So if you just, if you think your pub, if you like whoever told you that their publicist sucks, they should give their publicist a 30 day notice and call me. <laughs> I've been told call this over the, all, all over the past nine years, multiple times by guys telling me, a girl telling me, my publicist sucks. I wish I, I they got me on the show, your show, but they suck. I said, well, I don't know what to tell you, then let them go. But, but it's funny, Julia, yeah. I, I am like the like, Client whisperer, they they vent to me after the fact. Like, I'm like, tell them this. Don't tell me. How, no, you tell them. That's not my job. You tell your your client your publicist they suck. No, let me do it for you. I'm gonna need them give me some more guests, and I want to burn that bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, I mean, there are. There's, I mean, with any industry, there's always gonna be some lemons, right? There's always gonna be lemons. Um, I'm not one of them. <laughs> no, you're not. Um, so I'm not one of them. I've been in business for myself for four years and, but I worked for someone else for nine years. So 15, yeah. 2021 is my 15th year in the business. So. Wow. Well, yeah. tell my listeners about your clients, all of them, which I've, I've interviewed all of them, but tell them about your clients from your perspective that who they've heard on the show already this year. Okay, so I, um, like I mentioned, I represent nonfiction authors and industry experts. So Eric Pierre, uh, who I think was the last one that you interviewed. Yes. So he owns Pierre Accounting and he's a tax strategist. Uh, let's see, there's Greg Pallast. He's an investigative reporter. Um, he's, his work has shown up on Rolling Stone, The Guardian, the BBC. Uh, his book was um, all about voter suppression. 
Voter Suppression Tactics, his last book. Uh, not a very, it was a kind of a tricky name. Um, our, our PR team was kind of circling about thinking, how is this going to fly? It, it's, <laughs> but it, it, it all worked out. It was called How Trump, How Trump Stole 2020. And the whole branding behind that was, you know, we can steal it back, you know, and oh, it yes. was talked about a lot about, um, you know, voter suppression in the state of Georgia, heavy in Georgia, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, was one of them too. Um, so there's him. And then let's see, uh, Martin Soa, who is the author of The Other Side of Success. That's a memoir, uh, talks about his time, um, grow um, his, his commercial real estate experience. But you would think that it's heavy on that, but it's not boring. I was telling him, well, you make commercial real estate sexy. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, and then, you know, it's his, I mean, it's a memoir. So it's his life from 1977 to 2012. And so it's not, it's not only his rise and how he made his money and all of his wealth in the commercial real estate market. It's also his, his story of, you know, his wives and his lives and, um, you know, spirituality. And I don't want to, I don't want to drop the ball, but it's very, I don't want to give any, give anything away for your, for your uh, listeners, but it's a very well-written book. And it's, if you're, if you like reading about other people's lives, this is a good one to pick up. Let's see, who else did you interview? I think we just interviewed those three. Curtis. I, I represent... Curtis. Oh, Curtis. That's right. Okay. So Curtis Morley, he's a business coach, a serial entrepreneur. Um, which means he's created and sold five uh, multi-million dollar companies. And his book is called The Entrepreneur Paradox, uh, How to Overcome the 16 Pitfalls Along the Startup Journey. So 16 pitfalls, there's 16 mistakes that he's made um, over the course of his time, you know, uh, building businesses. And he wants to just help the entrepreneurs see that from the very beginning. So it's for budding entrepreneurs, people who are like start, people who are thinking about starting a business, startup businesses. And then it's also for people like me who've just been in business for a short amount of time. Uh, he is amazing. Such a nice guy. Very smart and articulate. I'm sure you kind of noticed that during uh, your interview. And his book comes out in March. So we're doing a bunch of- My birthday month. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. So yes, courteous. Yeah, yeah he's a great guy. So Julia, yeah. we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk some sports now. Get ready for this. All right. I have to ask you. So, what is your knowledge of the Atlanta sports? Well, Atlanta sports moments. This stands out in your mind. So, what about the Hawks, the Braves, the Falcons? Stand out in your mind. Gracious! Oh no, Atlanta sports. You didn't tell me Atlanta sports. Um, let's see here. I. <laughs> Um, we here. I gotta ask you about it. <laughs> Tell us either something about our, our teams are in your, in your head. Something about us. <laughs> no, well, let's see because bas your basketball games aren't really shown in my on my um, the channels by me, so I don't really get to know your um, your 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 basketball team. I don't really know your basketball team all that much, so. Um, I'm sorry about that. And uh, your Falcons. I, I watched your Falcons a lot. You guys have some good uh, running backs. And we choke every game. Oh, what was your end? What was your um, ending up? Four thing? and 12. Um, and, but we somehow beat your team. I don't know how we did that. 
Yeah. We beat the Vikings yeah, somehow. I don't know how he pulled that off. Yeah, I, I was shocked. How We're a crap team. That's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then the Braves played the Padres a lot. You know, I remember back in the day when Ken Caminetti, Tony Gwynn, those guys, and Trevor Hoffman came to Atlanta and beat us in the in the little wild card round, three games to one. Broke mm. my heart at Turner Field. Mm. Like, God. Mm. Where is it all these games losing the playoffs every year? Yeah, that was probably the only time that the Padres, though, made it. Well, this year we made it to the playoffs, but those Caminetti days were probably when we were really good and we were still playing at the queue. Now we're just like, uh, I think that we're just a step up from a, uh, what do they call it? Not D-League. Triple A team. <laughs> the Triple A teams. The Triple A teams. <laughs> Sometimes we always we always sign players that are like past their prime. Always, <laughs> always. No, I do like Petco Park. It, it's 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 kind of cool. Yeah, Petco Park is yeah. It's a very it's a very neat stadium. It's really neat. It's you know tucked right there in East Village downtown. Um, and it's just it, inside. It's just really it's just a fun place to go because you don't really have to watch the game if you're not really like. <laughs> baseball fan yes. you can you, know, you can entertain yourself just by walking around and looking at all the restaurants and all like the, the cool the other all the other cool now <laughs> i'll say i'll say this now for me i watched wgn the cubs game at, at 320 on wgn and the braves game at 735 after the fresh prince on tbs was that your childhood too <laughs> That, you know what? I didn't really get into watching baseball until um, I, I got with my husband. Because when I met him, he was working for the Padres. Like, I just didn't really understand baseball. I mean, you think it's a, you know, it's a pretty easy to understand game. But if you're never, if you don't play it as a kid, like, I never had any brothers. Um, and, you know, or, like, boy cousins that I would hang out with. So, you know, and I never played it. I didn't really understand the game. And I thought it was kind of boring as a child. But no, I hear you. That's that's yeah. You always watch the Cubs games. And my grandmother, who I have to I have to include in this conversation, my grandmother is a hundred years old. She turned one hundred wow. in October. I know, right? And she's still all there, all there. Witty is all get out. Um, she has a little bit of mobility issues, but other than that, she's good. She loves the Cubs. Loves the Cubs. She lived in Chicago for a really long time, and she calls them my Cubbies. Yes. Now I'll tell you, Harry Carey's um, grandson Chip Carey is the Braves' Fox Sports television announcer. So oh, Skip Skip Carey was on TBS um, on doing the Brave games. So his son Chip is the Braves' TV person. So for me, Harry Carey, the Cubs, all that lineage comes to the Braves as well. So yeah, like for me as a child, seven thirty-five TBS Braves game. 320, yeah. watch the Cubs and Cubs game and the White Sox game if WGN decided to show a White Sox game with Frank Thomas and those guys. So yeah. that was my childhood. Now, now I got to ask you, how did you become a Vikings fan living in San Diego? How, how did it yeah, happen? That's a good question. So um, going back to my going back to my husband. So we've been together since 2003. And so 17 years. 18 years. 18 years. Wow. 18 years. Oh my God, 18 years. I feel like so, I feel so old saying that. Um, but uh, so his, so he's a San Diego native. 
and his parents, both of his parents are San Diego natives. And, but they never, his dad never said like, you have to be a Chargers fan or you have to be a Padres fan. So he was, and he was really, really into sports and he still is, but he was very into sports as a kid, as a little kid. And so like in the eighties, he was probably what? So like 80, 88, he was 10. So 1988, he was 10. And I guess around that time, uh, the Vikings were really good. Purple people eaters. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so right. whoever was playing, if he was here, he'd be able to name off like all these names and whatnot of players and stuff. I don't know. So you, you're, so just think, if, you know, if you were alive in 1988, do you guys remember? I was one that, years old. Oh, okay. I was one. So, so like, so like the late 80s, early 90s, I guess the team was really, really good. And I always say, oh, my husband liked the mascot when he was a kid but no he says yeah he said that uh the the team was really good had some really good players you know um and that he just became a Vikings fan because he just really enjoyed watching those particular players and I guess the coaching staff too play Uh, so he became a Vikings fan and I wasn't really you know I grew up north of Los Angeles and so when I was a kid I remember watching the Rams and I think even the Raiders. The Raiders, yep. The, the Raiders for sure, and the Rams in in uh, Los Angeles with my father. Um, but then I moved to San Diego, and I was just like, eh, you know. And I, I mean, I was gonna be like a Charger fan just because it was they were they were local there. But then after meeting um, my husband, and he was a Vikings fan, I was just like, what the hell? I'll just be a Vikings fan too. It's like I had no loyalty to one team or another, so it was just like, okay, I'll be a Vikings fan. And it's been okay. Hey, you and I are loyal to we don't we we're loyal to teams that don't give us any payoff. Like your team gives you heartbreak, mine gives me heartbreak every Sunday when they blow the lead in the fourth quarter. <laughs> if they even have a lead in the fourth quarter, my God. It's like normally, normally the Vikings just score a touchdown in like their first possession and then go scoreless the rest of the game. Yes. But I mean Kurt, I know nothing of nothing against Kirk Cousin as a person because I'm sure he's just not a winner. And like in the important games like Monday Night Football or like you know you would think like when all eyes are on him, he's just he. And I know it's a lot of other things that go along with it. Maybe like his offensive line isn't giving him enough time, you know, to throw the ball. But he's just not a winner. Look at Lamar <laughs> Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and Josh yeah. Allen. They make things happen when yeah. things break down. Exactly. Kurt Cousins doesn't have that ability. Neither does Matt yeah. Ryan. I love Matt Ryan. He, mm-hmm. he can't make when it when the play call does not work the way it should, he can't get out of it and make it better. Yeah, it's like I agree. you're screwed. So I no, agree. Kirk can't do what Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson does, Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson, all those guys, Mahomes. They can make you no know, bleep out of bleep. You know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I have to be FCC compliant by saying bleep. <laughs> I can't say what I really want to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 good. I don't want to get good. a fine from the FCC, you know. <laughs> well, I hope I didn't drop any bombs. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. I would have told you, oh, my God, no. Yeah, you were good. So, yeah, no, like, you know, Kirk, you know, the Vikings should yeah. get rid of him. But his contract is so bad, you know. But his 
contract is bad. But, you know, Dalvin Cook was really good. You know, the R- Jefferson's good, good, too. Jefferson's good. You know, Jefferson passed Moss in the most yards for a rookie. I saw that. Game. Yeah, I saw that against Detroit when Matthew Stafford was playing bad as usual. Now, how, how was it seeing Adrian Peterson in a Lion uniform? How was that for you guys, being Viking fans, seeing AP yeah. in a Lions uniform? He was a, wasn't he a bear too? I mean, he looks like he's been bouncing around to a bunch. Or no. he, he was a Washington football teamer, That's Arizona, right. Arizona, and then he went to and then he went to Detroit this year. Well, just like I was talking about the Padres and bringing in players past their prime, they're bringing in a player past his prime. He played for the Vikings in his prime, in his prime, you know. And as soon as he had that weird like court case where he like hit his kid with a stick or something. I think after that is when he went downhill. I, his- I mean, I know it's his age and things like that, but yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of weird seeing him, but to be honest, it's, I don't, I don't care as a Vikings fan because he's not, he's not really all that good anymore. He doesn't I- he doesn't have the yards like he did when he was in his prime, when he played for the Vikings. So it's like, you guys can have him. <laughs> I don't know oh. what he's trying to prove. I don't know why he's not retiring, but <laughs> he wants that money. Maybe he's broke, like like you were talking about before. Well, actually, um, he got sued and lost a default judgment. He owes a bank five point two million dollars. He didn't even show up to court. He defaulted defaulted on a loan, so twenty sixteen. So you're right. He may be broke. <laughs> That's why he's still playing. I know he needs to. He needs to get some endorsements going. <laughs> exactly. Now, let's talk about your Clippers. You used to be be in San Diego as the Braves back in the day. They're oh, in wow. LA as the Clippers now. They they're coming to Atlanta on Tuesday, and I know you have connections, connections for me with Luke Williams being a for, from Atlanta, a former Atlanta Hawk as well, and mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard who went to your alma mater, the Aztecs. So tell us about your Clipper fandom and how you like having Ty Lue. <laughs> running the show now, and as Doc Rivers is now in Philadelphia with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Well, you know, um, I have enjoyed watching. I mean, the games are just really fun to watch. Um, I've only been a Clipper fan now for two years because this is what Kawhi's second year with the team. Um, I'm My husband and I are Kawhi Leonard fans, so we were um, San Antonio fans. We were Spurs fans, then we were Raptor fans, and now we're Clipper fans. We just follow him <laughs> around. And uh, yeah, the game, the games are real fun to watch. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I wish I had like more, more like cool stuff to say, um, but <laughs> I don't. No, you're cool. No. <laughs> watching, but I'm not like, uh, other than that, I'm not a real um, fan fan, I guess that was able to like spout out statistics or whatnot, but it's just, it's really nice to see how, um, especially Kawhi has just evolved as a player. I mean, watching him at San Diego State and then knowing, I was like, what? He's going in the NBA draft? I was like, that's a mistake. I honestly thought that was a mistake. That I didn't think he was going to go anywhere, that he was just going to get shipped off overseas and was going to play internationally. I, I mean, I had no idea that he was just going to, I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's just wonderful to watch watch the games. I wish I was there in the stands. Now, do you all go to Staples and watch them play? Do you all Do you all do that? No, not yet. Not yet. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe if the tickets weren't like nosebleed $100. <laughs> Get that much? 
No, I think so. I think nose, I think nose bleeds are like over a hundred dollars. I mean, I haven't really checked, but I mean, there's no stands in the stands now because of COVID that oh, probably yeah. won't be at all. So that's probably something that we can look into for 2022, but definitely I'm going to tell now. you a secret. Nosebleeds here in Atlanta are 55 bucks plus tax. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. A hundred bucks for nosebleeds at Staples. That's crazy. Well, don't get, I mean, don't quote me on that because I really don't know. Well, <laughs> I'm just I guessing. can believe it if it is. I can believe it if it's Staples Center. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, Julia. It's Los Angeles. It's, yeah. yeah. Being in sports media, I'm gonna be honest. I couldn't if I don't have access to to Rome the way I do. I couldn't buy. I, I couldn't watch the game as a fan anymore. I have to have the locker room access. I have to be able to go behind the scenes. I couldn't yeah. buy a ticket and not be able to go in the back after the game. <laughs> that would. Burning mm -hmm. my soul the whole time. I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it must be a different. It, it, I think it would probably be weird. I mean, women do it, but go in the locker room and stuff with all the dudes. I think you would have to put like my blinders on. Oh, it's very <laughs> awkward, and I would just I tell you this. I don't care. I keep my eyes always above. I, I don't want to see a floating pecker, as I call it. <laughs> like, oh ah, no, 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 oh no, no, oh no. <laughs> oh no, I, I don't want to see that. But then you have the chicks in there who tend to look down, of course. Like, I'm keeping my eyes always above. I'm not bringing my ass down because I have the same thing you got. I don't want to see that. And guys being in <laughs> little tiles, some of them walk in there bare bone, and I'm like, why are you doing this? Nobody wants to see this. So, yeah. Well, it is a men's locker room, and that's what they do. <laughs> yeah. It, what the awkward thing is when you want to, they want to interview a guy with a towel around him, like, I'm not talking to him with a towel around him. He got to give him some clothes. I'm doing that. Yeah. Yes. Locker probably room like, is, you want the interview or what? Uh, I don't need it that bad. I'm good. Uh, who's dressed? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Right? You put your underwear on. I'm yeah, ready. at least. My goodness. My goodness. You know, so you got to mention it, Julia. San Diego State, the Aztecs. Tell us about your time there and how they trained the queue until you guys' new stadium that they're going really, really nice. 35,000 seats, oh, open air. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so San Diego State, um, their basketball team. I mean, we I've been going since, so let's see, since 2003. So I've had season tickets for the basketball and football since 2003. Um, like I mentioned before, my husband is a native and, her, and his parents are natives. And my father-in-law has loved the, the um, Aztecs since the 1960s. Um, so it's, um, it's really great. And for, let's, if we just talk about basketball, it was, so, I was so like last year, oh my God, dude, last year, our team was so good last year. We were ranked number four in the nation going into March Madness, going into the NCAA tournament. And I was like, oh my God, we were planning, my family was planning on flying to New York City to like go to the game, like the final game. Wow. And then they canceled it because of COVID. And I, I, I think I seriously cried. I was so bad. I really wanted to get, you know, to hang the flyer in our arena that says, you know, you made it to the final four because we had the potential to do that. So that was really sad. Um, this year, I think it's more of, I want to say it's a rebuilding year, but uh, there was a lot of promise in the beginning of the season. And then we've just lost. I mean, we lost 
twice, I think, to Utah State. Then we lost to BYU. And it's like, wait a minute. Oh, then we lost to Colorado State. I'm like, wait a minute. So we now have a lot of, we have a lot more losses than was anticipated. Um, my husband really thought, oh my God, they're going to, they're just going to be undefeated. They're going to win their tournament. That's going to go into, you know, the NCAA is no problem. But now I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Uh, we lost um, our best player in last game, last game. I, I don't remember. Um, but last week sometime we lost um, Matt Mitchell. He hyperextended his knee, either hyperextended his knee or his ankle or something to where he's out now. And so I'm mad about that because we don't have a lot of scoring players in like the rotation that the coach puts up. So that's kind of sad. Um, but now going into football, uh, football is exciting to watch as well. Um, I'm very excited about the new stadium that's being built. Um, they're going to slowly uh, break down um, the, the, they called it the Q for the longest time because Qualcomm sponsored it, but it was originally called Jack Murphy Stadium. Uh, they're going to slowly... The Murph, yeah. They're gonna slowly knock that thing down, and but they're building, um, they're building the new stadium first before they knock down the old one, and that um, it's a Mission Valley, and they're that's the the area of San Diego where the, it's being built. So it's Mission Valley, and they're completely revamping that whole area because the San Diego River runs through Mission Valley, and that area is kind of like it needs a little retrofit. <laughs> You know, yes. it, it, need, it needs to be cleaned up a little bit. There's a little bit of um, homeless, and um, so it just needs to be a, a little bit of cleaned up. I mean, the homeless problem in San Diego is really bad, I think. I don't know how it is in Atlanta. Same in Atlanta, very bad. Yeah, it's just bad. I think it's bad all over. Um, but, yeah, so they're calling it San Diego West uh, because it is west of, west of the main campus. Um, and uh, we got to do one of those virtual tours. Oh, wow. So they have like an office set up to where um, you can go in and like see a full on model of what the new stadium is going to look like. I think it's going to be like 35,000 seats, which is a lot lower than what the queue held. The queue held like 70,000. But being in San Diego where there's so much stuff to do, we never really got more than 40,000 at a game. So I think the 35,000 is going to make it be like a packed house every single game. So that will be really exciting because, you know, the energy of a packed arena, you oh, know, yes. when you're winning and you're scoring and, oh, my God, it's just so exciting to be there. Uh, so that's going to be So that was really neat. So then we so we already picked out our season tickets. So season ticket holders get like a little special tour. So we got a little special tour and we were able to pick out where we're going to be sitting. So that was nice. We told the lady, like, please reserve yes. <laughs> row 25, you know, seats you know, 14 through 18 or whatever. So, um, yeah, so, so that's that's going to be um, it's going to be really nice, I think, for the the city of course, for the university. But now that now that the um, that the Chargers are gone, it's all one city, one team. And it's all about the Aztecs. I mean, I, you know that we have other universities in town um, and that have football teams, but it's still one city, one team, Aztecs all the way. Julie, you have to talk to your basketball coach. He needs to come on my show for some good show karma because Nico Medved at Colorado State came on my show. Craig Smith at Utah State comes on my show. Jeff Linder at Wyoming comes on my show. So you need to get some good boss man show karma for your school. Tell them to come on the boss man show. I emailed San Diego State, no response. 
Oh, did you email the athletic director? I would say maybe email the athletic director or email, uh, shoot, I don't even know. I've even met the PR person, so I'm like, hey, I got, oh, I, I talked talk to your coaches. I talked to coaches in your conference. They have great show karma once they come on the show. Look at Colorado State and Utah State. They're doing it well. <laughs> they come on the show. Yeah. You want some show karma or not? <laughs> it just works that way. The show karma works. It does. No, you're right. You're right. You're right. I, I actually do know the the uh, PR person at San Diego State, so I'll hook you up, dude. I'll Appreciate you up. that. You hooked me up. <laughs> Appreciate it. Well, Julie, yeah. last one for you I got. For anybody out there who needs PR, do you do PR nationally or just, just in your area? I do it nationally. All right. I do it nationally. My company is called Pleasantly Persistent PR. It's kind of a mouthful, but PleasantlyPersistentPR.com has all my contact information there. My email address, my phone number is all on the website. I'm on, I have social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. So check me out, but I do national. Yeah. So not just San Diego. I do. Yep. I, I do it all. I do it all, but just in the United States, I don't, I don't typically do Canadian media or like Mexico media. So just um, the United States. No, but yeah. No. If you want exposure, I'm your girl. Caller. Caller. <laughs> I'm your girl. <laughs> Julia, <laughs> thank you for doing this. I, I know this is weird for you being the guest, but I wanted to, you know, put you on a good platform here so people can hear about you and your great work and hear more about you just from a non. They want I want them to know you better than this from some emails. Know who you really are, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right, yeah. I'm not. I'm not just a person behind a computer screen sending out emails. <laughs> yes. yes. I'm a real person, personality. <laughs> yes, yes. You can see, Julia. Thank you for your time today. I gotta get to the Atlanta Hawks here real soon. Thank you so much as always. You've been a, good to me and your clients as well. I hope to keep doing working with you in the future. Now. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It was real fun. You're welcome. See you soon. Now. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Now. Bye. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube